This is Box Score, brought to you by Games Radar, and I'm your host, Richard Grisham. So here's part two of our Wii U Sports Preview, but be sure to listen to part one if you haven't already, where we talk to Yuri Bieliskorski all about making Madden NFL 13 for the Wii U. So in this episode, we chat with Matt Pryor, the brains behind FIFA 13 for Nintendo's Wii U. And as you'll find out, he's got a flair for new hardware, and he's clearly in the right business. So sit back and enjoy part two of our special Nintendo Wii U Sports Preview. And we are here with Matt Pryor, and Matt has the uh, privilege, honor, uh, catastrophically bad luck, I'm not sure what you call it, um, uh, honor of being the first two-time guest on the box score I'll take, show. I'll take, I'll take, the, I'll take the honor. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> welcome, Matt. Um, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today, and uh, welcome. No problem. It's good. Nice, nice to be back. So, Matt, um, and by the way, if you haven't listened to his first appearance on the show, which is a uh, in-depth uh, discussion about how he created FIFA for the Vita, stop right now, go back and listen to that first, because Matt gives a great, uh, just talks a, a lot, a really interesting uh, story about how he got into the games industry and how he uh, got to where he is today, which is uh, you know one of the lead producers at for the FIFA franchise for EA Sports. So um, I won't make you repeat that story. Uh, the reason that we have Matt on the show today is that he is the producer for FIFA for the Wii U, uh, which is really exciting for a lot of reasons. I mean, number one, a lot of people don't know a whole lot about the Wii U. So I guess I'll start with, with this question for you. Um, you get the privilege of launching a brand new game on a brand new console with the FIFA for the Vita, and then you are rewarded with the same kind of challenge again. So you must either be really good at what you do, or you made somebody pretty angry. Which do you think <laughs> it is? Well, I like to think it's the first one, but it might be a little <laughs> bit of the second. <laughs> no, in actual fact, I did ask uh, to uh, to do the Wii U, just because um, I've worked on the PS3 and 360 for a long time. I mean, that still still makes the bulk of what I've done uh, is on those consoles. Okay. Um, and I enjoy working on new hardware, as, as you alluded to with the with the Vita. Um, with the Vita stuff, so yes, I know I, I did request to be put on the Wii U because I do enjoy it. I mean, it's it's challenging, frustrating, and and all those kind of things. But at the same time, um, it, it is fun in the sense that it's fresh, it's new, and particularly with the Vita and now the Wii U, they are very unique consoles. So they kind of change the way you have to think about the game and uh, and that kind of thing. So it's 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 an interesting um, cycle to to be on and 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 to like I say, utilize the. The, the uniqueness of the device. So when we first spoke, you still the Vita had not launched, and you were um, still kind of in the process of finishing it up. So before we get into the Wii U, um, how was the launch of FIFA for you? I mean, you know, you you got it finally got in the hands of consumers, and and you got it out there in the marketplace. And so looking back, what uh, you know, what was the launch like? of FIFA for the Vita? Um, it was good. I mean, uh, the uh, feedback was hugely positive. Um, everyone like loved the what we did with it. And uh, again, um, that's kind of 
utilizing the unique uh, nature of it, which we've kind of done on the Wii U as well, but we're in, in terms of the Vita, the, the whole touchscreen, um, I saw a lot of press comment on how they felt what we had done was the best use of that new hardware in the sense that it, it changed things at a core, meaningful way rather than a few, a few games might have just, you know, tagged on open a door by pressing the back touchscreen or something. It, it, it almost felt uh, gimmicky in, in some respects. Um, but what we did was very core, very intuitive. It kind of made sense. It didn't feel like it was tagged on. It, it all kind of aligned with the console and the, the functionality. So that was great to hear. We were voted like best use of new hardware um, in, in a lot of places. Um, and then the people liked it. The, 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 it was unanimously uh, positive feedback. We got a lot of it's one of the best looking games on the on the console. It is. Uh, one of the best playing. Um, so it was it was all good stuff. Um, and I think we ended up being something that is, uh, I think the third biggest selling title on the product on the on the platform. Uh, which was great. I mean, the, the, the kind of downside to the whole process, if there was one, is the Vita probably wasn't, wasn't as big as uh, Sony would have wanted in terms of the actual hardware sales. Right. Uh, and I think yeah. that kind of uh, aligns to the, the changing demographic of, uh, of, of handheld gaming. Obviously, with the advent of um, smartphones and so on and so forth, it's a very different space than it was when the PSP came out. Definitely. So, uh, um, I mean, I don't have official numbers from Sony, but I know it, it, I don't think it achieved exactly what they wanted to. Now, hopefully it's a slow burn and it kind of picks up because it is a great device. And, and the death of true handheld gaming would be a very sad day because I think you can only get uh, great experience as a handheld game on the, the, the kind of platforms like Vita. I think you know, smartphones are good for what they do, but you'll never get, well, not right now. Obviously, in the future, things will change. But as it stands right now, you can't really get an authentic um, next-gen uh, experience um, anywhere other than, other than the Vita. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I love my Vita, and it is disappointing that it is not um, selling as well as we'd like it. And in particular, FIFA on the Vita is great. And I'm not just telling you this because you know you're you're here. I mean, I've, I've said this on other shows. People that kind of know who I am or, or listen to this, or you know, fourth string, they know that I am a huge supporter of the Vita, and I love. FIFA. Um, a couple of things I like about it. Obviously, it looks great. sounds great. But I love the shooting. Like being able to touch the spot on the goal where you want your guy to shoot and even, you know, having it not be super, super sensitive, you know, because one of my biggest challenges in FIFA is always, you know, getting the, uh, getting the pressure right when shooting. I almost always shoot it too hard. Uh, I yes. just love the aiming and the, the, you know, the pressure shooting. Uh, of the goal, it it is a you know pardon the pun a game changer, and I love that. Yeah, and that was the feedback we got from a lot of people. A lot of people did like that, and and kind of um, and it was one of the goals we set out. We like like I said in the previous interview, we kind of analyze uh, the game as a whole and what people like, what people don't like, and where we could improve it. And one of the core ones was uh, like we say the uh, the, the shooting mechanic. It, super hardcore gamers kind of get it, but there's a whole slew of gamers beneath that who don't really kind of understand the aiming mechanic and like i say it can feel a little bit, a little bit like hit and hope when you just press the shoot button exactly. um, so yeah we were kind of aiming at that and and like i say the the whole i mean scoring's the highest high in football so if you can put the 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 accuracy in the hands of the user and ultimately the game as a whole i mean it doesn't just affect shooting the game as a whole feels that much more rewarding um as a result and that's what we found with the feedback so that was great to know because you have this thing in your mind of what you're hoping it's going to achieve and it's nice to get that reaffirmed by the most important people, who are obviously the consumers. 
So let's let's move forward a little bit. Let's talk about the Wii U. Take us to the very start of the development on the Wii U. When did when did you first find out that you would be making the game for this platform? Now you said that you asked it, so obviously your reaction must have been uh, a positive one when you asked for it. So when did you first know that you were going to be the guy building FIFA for the Wii U? So it was um, as kind of Vita was rolling down. Um, obviously, we, we kind of knew that it was coming down the pipeline. Um, so around about, oh, it's, it's a little bit, a little bit of a blur to be honest. About, about <laughs> that would be out fourteen months ago, something like that. Okay. It all kind of rolls into one. But yeah, it, it was kind of during the end of the Vita uh, process. So it was around that timeline. So what? When did you first get your hands on the hardware? I mean, was the dev kit similar to what the final hardware is going to look like? Or, you know, what was that like when you first sort of got your hands on it? Yeah, yeah. well, there's kind of two parts to the dev kit, obviously. The actual, um, the, the, the unit itself, call it the CPU or whatever, the kind of the brains of it, which is uh, the, the kind of main part and then obviously the controller particularly with the wii u is, is very unique so when we got the first one um it was actually a different form factor the controller than what it is now it was a bit smaller uh, there were different thumbsticks um mm. it was a little bit different laid out and one of the things we did was we fed back to nintendo our thoughts around that and gave them some feedback as i'm sure other developers did uh, it was good that the the next iteration which came a few months later uh seemed to have taken that into account we like to think it was because we said it we probably wasn't um but that was good. But yeah, so the first iteration um, was, was quite a bit different. And then the actual kind of main unit itself is very different to what you will see on the store shelves. It's all very um, mechanical looking. It's, it's <laughs> Yeah, uh, ergonomics are not high on the list when they uh, produce these, these first kits. It looks a little bit like a you know, fuse box with 20 wires sticking out of it. So, <laughs> so it's very different to what you, what you would expect to see uh, on the shelves when it finally launches. So everybody wants to know about the controller. We'll get into that in a second, but you brought up something that's interesting. So you gave Nintendo feedback, and then what you got back sort of um, uh, was adjusted somewhat based upon that feedback. Is that feedback also going to be reflected in, the con in what the consumer uh, ultimately gets? Um, in, in the sense that... Um Yes, it will be. So what, okay. what, what we, we've got now is the final form factor controller. Okay. Um, and, and some of the feedback, uh, like I say, I don't know if it's directly driven by us or whether this was kind of common feedback amongst the, the developers. Some of that was kind of taken into account. Thumbsticks is what a big one. The original thumbstick um, was kind of like the 3DS. I don't know, I presume you've played the 3DS. It's kind oh, of like sure. yeah. floating disc kind of feel. Right. Uh, as opposed to kind of the PS3 actual analog stick. Um, and it didn't really feel that that nice on this kind of controller so that was one of the feedback and that's now now changed as i'm sure you've seen lots of the uh, the photos in the press of the of the actual final controller uh, and there are a couple of other things as well so um yeah it, it's, a, it's a much much improved version than the one we originally got yeah the controller is what everybody is is focused on and we've certainly seen pictures but you know few of us have actually held the, the sort of the final version in our hands so when you got the controller, and this is a combination of sticks and buttons and a touchscreen, what were you thinking and what sort of ideas sort of immediately came to mind, you know, in the first few days after you had it and you were thinking about what you're going to do with it in relation to FIFA? 
Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing, time when I saw it uh, visually, uh, rather than actually picking it up, I, I worried a little bit that it might feel a bit too heavy and too cumbersome and just feel a little strange, because obviously it's a very different uh, field to what we've kind of grown up with, uh, right. with the kind of Xbox 360, Genesis, all that kind of stuff. But I was actually pleasantly surprised when I picked it up. The form, it, the kind of ergonomics, it, it does feel quite nice to hold. It, it, I, I, you know, I had a little bit of trepidation about it, but it actually does feel quite good. And it's, I mean, there's a little bit of getting used to it, um, for sure. But um, I was actually pleasantly surprised when I picked it up. Um, and then in terms of FIFA, um, I mean, obviously, when you look at that, the first thing that kind of leaps to mind is twin screens, twin views kind of thing. Uh, you know, we thought of, uh, this is before we got our hands on it, obviously, we, we kind of, Thought you know maybe a player's perspective on the on the controller while you're mm. playing it on the game, or you know you can be the cameraman during replays, all this kind of stuff. Um, and one of the things with new hardware that you kind of learn that's quite different from developing on an existing console is you have to be um, open to change when you learn hardware restrictions and so on and so forth. So you've got to be very kind of uh, dynamic with your uh, um, design. Um, because it, things can change when you learn. And so one of the things we thought, obviously, like I say, we thought about twin views. What we found when we got the console itself is there's no actual processing power in the controller itself. Okay. So what that okay. means is, uh, from FIFA's perspective, one of our core mandates was we wanted to emulate the same gameplay experience as you would get on the PS3 360. And a big part of that is the fluidity, the 60 frames a second. Um, you know, it, it feels very very fluid, very nice, no frame rate, no jerkiness. It was key for us to be able to give that experience to the Wii U users. What having twin screens does was mean if you have a very different view on the, on the controller to on the TV, that means then the central unit is doubly processing, basically. It's rendering everything twice. So to do that, we'd have to half the frame rate. Uh, and clearly we didn't want to do that as that kind of waters down the experience. Um, so straight off the bat, we realized this kind of vision of different viewpoints, um, completely different viewpoints of the same kind of game uh, was just out the window because we, we couldn't hold 30 frames a second at that. I mean, ultimately, we've kind of done it with set pieces, which we can perhaps touch on later. Uh, but in terms of actual, like I say, players' perspective or, or things like that, it's, it would have meant watering down the main experience. So. It, there's a big U-turn there in terms of um, how we felt we could use the the, uh, the the extra screen purely based on the kind of limitations of the of the device. Interesting. And <clears throat> so while they're obviously different in many ways, uh, you know, one being a handheld, one being a, a console, uh, but there are some similarities between Vita and Wii U controller-wise, in as uh, you know, especially as in you know, partial touch, partial buttons, you know, partial sticks, and so on. So what lessons did you learn from Vita that you knew you wanted to apply directly to the Wii U? Yeah, I mean, well, fundamentally, um, the increased accuracy and precision control that both passing and shooting gave you on the Vita were obviously something that lends themselves well to the, the Wii U. I mean, you don't have the back touch, but you, you can kind of touch the front. So those two, and as they were such a big success on that platform, and it really kind of hit home with that more casual demographic, which the Wii U ultimately is leaning towards as well. Those were kind of two learnings from the Vita that we definitely wanted to bring over. Um, that, that added control, that added use of touchscreen, that kind of thing. So there was a lot of learnings brought over from the, from, the, um, from the Vita. And on a kind of technical side, a lot of the kind of modifications and optimizations to the FIFA code base we had to do to get it working on the Vita 
those kind of same learnings were applied to get it to work on the Wii U. So, the, yeah, I mean, the, the the Vita was the perfect kind of warm-up to the Wii U, if you like. It was kind of uh, almost... It, it couldn't have happened better in terms of getting that touchscreen uh, and having to optimise the code to get it on, and then that just lent itself perfectly to leading into the Wii U. Interesting. Had you ever made anything for a Nintendo platform before? Um, I made 3DS. Okay. Uh, FIFA on the 3DS. So that was another new hardware. So that was actually... Uh, just before Vita as My well. My goodness. Well, it's actually, it's kind of, it was actually kind of unison. We had kind of a split team. We had a, a dedicated 3DS team and a dedicated Vita team, and I was kind of heading them both up. So, uh, But obviously 3DS came out a little bit sooner. So that was my first kind of foray into the Nintendo world. And so obviously we can now, uh, breaking news, you are now heading the uh, FIFA development for both the new PlayStation and the new uh, Xbox. Obviously, right? I mean, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, you can't believe that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I won't do that to you. So, um, That's not true. <laughs> just let's be clear. Not true. Just a joke. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we talked about this with the Vita, but I'm also curious you know, about with, with Nintendo. I mean, how do you go about, you and your team, learning to build games for the Wii U? Do you get training? I mean, do Nintendo people come and explain things to you, help you, you know, understand what opportunities you have to maximize power or to tap into different interfaces? I mean, obviously, I'm sure there's some documentation, uh, you know, but how does that go about happening or for lack of a better term are you kind of left to your own devices to figure out how to get your stuff running on their uh, on their new platform yeah so we get the kits and we kind of dig into that from tech perspective like uh, speed power you know graphical performance all that kind of thing and then our guys kind of dive into that and see how that will align with what we're we're taking from the ps3 and 360 because obviously that kind of forms the the, the foundation to it um, so initially, you don't really get much help from uh, first party, Nintendo in this case. Um, but ultimately, down the line, they will visit. We can visit them. They're just based down in Seattle, which is quite convenient because we're just up in Vancouver. Right. So we will kind of um, uh, go and visit them. They they come and visit us. So they, they do help us out in that sense um, when um, we maybe have a particular problem or we need to get more power out of the CPU, GPU, that kind of thing. So, the, yeah, it's a good relationship we, ha- we have between the between the two parties. Um, so there is technical support in that sense. There's not really a, a user manual as such. It's not like if you went down to Best Buy and bought a new TV, you don't really get the kind of uh, A to Z of how to use it. It's, it's not quite like that. And one of the key things is that people might not know is at the beginning of the uh, cycle, we don't get given the, you know, the final Wii U development kit. Just as we are developing the game over that kind of 14-month period, Nintendo are developing the console over that same 40-month period, so we can we get continual updates to it. Uh, we get a number of actual hardware updates, i.e., we have to ship the old units back and get new ones, and so on and so forth. And then inevitably, you know, it's kind of like these SDK upgrades we call them. I think I mentioned them in, uh, with regard to Vita. It's kind of changing the operating system, so in, it's kind of frustrating in what we've already built then kind of breaks in certain areas, so we have right. to rebuild, and we get we get a lot of these during the course of the project. So. It's not quite as simple as here's the Wii U, go for it. It's here's the Wii U, build on that, or here's another Wii U, build on that, and that kind of thing. So, kind of two steps forward, one step back at, at certain stages. But um, yeah, it's just part and parcel of new hardware. You know, and you say that, and you know, as a guy who has done software development for my life, it makes perfect sense. And I don't think 
many people in the video game consumer space really understand that. And it certainly makes a lot of sense as to why launch games tend to be, um, in particular sports games, right? They tend to be, you have to focus more on what you know you can absolutely deliver with quality as opposed to trying to be everything to everybody, which, you know, as where we are in the 360 and PS3, you know, development path, I mean, you know, NHL, FIFA, Madden, games are massive with five, six, seven, eight different modes, a whole bunch of online stuff. Like you can spend hundreds of hours, I think, in the new NHL between the GM Connected and the online and the mm-hmm. Ultimate Team. I mean, there's so much to be able to try to do all of that on a new platform when you're, like you say, you're getting updated hardware and firmware and, and versions that break things that you had running beautifully, boy, that is, that's a challenge. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's very challenging. And that's one of the kind of um, things we have to kind of deal with. Um, I mean, if you're making something on PS3 360, um, it's very different in the sense that you've got, uh, in this case, FIFA 12. It's done, it's stable, it's finished. You, for FIFA 13, just basically layer on top of that. Right. Most of your development time goes towards new features. With us, because we've got absolutely nothing to build on, the first part is to lay that foundation, which is bringing over the code from 360 PS3 at a stable point, um, and then building on top of that. So in terms of kind of a breakdown of percentages, it's it's pretty much about 80-20 in terms of 80% of your time is basically spent building the game, the, the solid foundation, right. and then 20% is kind of devoted to new features. So... You've got to be very clever uh, with those new features because there's very limited time. And, of course, all that comes towards the end because you've first got to get the stable foundation. You can't you know, work on the new features first. So it's kind of end-loaded in that way. So one of the challenges of uh, developing on new hardware is um, making sure you're kind of um, on board with your features. You know what you're planning on doing is ultimately the best you can do for the consumer in that time because there's just no kind of time to think, uh, okay, this isn't working, let's try that. You have a much more um, opportunity of that on PS3 and 360 because obviously you're just building straight off the bat, uh, onward and upwards, as it were, whereas we're having to kind of lay the foundation. So that's one of the challenges. Uh, and from the design perspective, it's, it's, there's a little bit more pressure in the sense that you really don't have the kind of the wiggle room to, to change, chop and change, um, if you feel something's not right. So it's kind of key that you kind of get your goal uh, and vision set, and it's hopefully um, what consumers want. So one of my favorite things that we talked about last time when we were discussing the Vita was you had a few aha moments, you know, when you first sort of had your first uh, stick figures up and running and you saw that happen, yes. and then you saw some other things. So kind of the same question. Take me through some of the different sort of aha moments you had when you were designing and then building FIFA for the Wii U. Well, I mean, we kind of still had those similar kind of getting it running on the console moments. Um, But for me, I think the biggest one was um, when we realized, and this was one of kind of our core uh, objectives, was um, to bring the game over to, obviously bring FIFA to the Wii U, but at at the same time, bring a unique experience to the Wii U. You know, it'd be criminal just to port a game over and not utilize what makes the Wii U unique. Right. Um, so one of the kind of key aha moments for us was when we first uh, did the set-piece system. So what we have now, and it's important that you, you, your listeners kind of understand, that if, if you want to play FIFA on the Wii U as you would 360 and PS3, you can do. 
again, going back to one of the many core mandates we had, or not mandates, but our visions we had and goals we set ourselves, was that we didn't want to break that core experience. If you have a friend that plays the PS3, comes over to play the Wii U, he doesn't have to relearn that experience. Mm. You know, the FIFA and 360 versions are award-winning. You know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Wii U has all that functionality. So that is all there. You can play the game exactly the same way. So everything we did was optional, um, and it's hopefully people see it as an improvement. And one of the key areas was set pieces. Again, kind of harking to the more casual demographic, what we find on, on FIFA on 360 and PS3 is set pieces can be a little bit confusing and unrewarding to the, to the more novice uh, gamer. They don't really kind of get how it all works. It doesn't really give you that kind of sense of anticipation. You know, if you go and watch a real football match and there's a, there's a free kick on the edge of the area, 20 yards out, there's a real kind of buzz around the, the, the stadium in the sense that something big could happen here. For a novice gamer on 360 PS3, there's not really that sense of anticipation because they find it very hard to score. They kind of don't get the system. Similarly with penalty kicks as well. Mm. So one of the areas we wanted to improve was set pieces. Um, and so what we've done now, if you get a set piece, you can use the traditional system, you know, thumbsticks, left, right, aim. Um, but the, with the Wii U, you can now lift the Wii U controller up. So as soon as it senses it's vertical, you're now actually looking through the Wii U screen into the virtual world. So you get to see Whoa. kind of almost a player's perspective. And you can actually look around the stadium. And it kind of really kind of puts you on the pitch. It's, it's kind of almost virtual reality-like in the sense that you're suddenly on the pitch. You're looking through your Wii U and... So one of our, our biggest aha moments was when we got that running. I remember the, the guy came and kind of knocked on my office door and said, come and have a look at this. <laughs> and I sat down in front of the team, lifted, lifted the, uh, the, the screen, and suddenly I'm kind of on the field looking around. And it's funny because every, almost everyone that, that, that kind of does this the first time instantly does the same thing, and that's kind of spin around on your chair and look down the complete opposite end of the field because obviously that's something you just can't do in FIFA. And, and, they, and then everyone likes, looks up into the sky because you can look right up into the sky. Ah. Uh, so I think that was probably the biggest aha moment for the Wii U in that it really felt that this is like nothing you can get on the 360 PS3. This is very, very unique to the Wii U in the sense that you've got that second screen and that, that player's perspective um, down below. So I think that was probably the biggest aha moment because just in a gaming sense, you've never seen anything like that. That's amazing. I mean... I don't know how I'll use it in a game, but just for fun, that sounds like something. Well, well, in the game, you, we, that's where you take the set piece. So there's a set, now you lift that up, you've got the player's perspective, and now you, there's an aiming reticule. Right. So you can kind of point it around, kind of like a, you know, a, a target, and then you can apply spin and so on. And then when you take the kick, if you choose to still look at the, the Wii U controller screen, screen, you kind of see the ball go from that perspective. So you really kind of get in a... You know, it, it feels great when you kind of curl it around the wall and it goes yeah. into the top corner and you see it from that perspective on that lower screen. So, it, and, and likewise, penalty kicks. A lot of people find penalty kicks in regular FIFA a little bit confusing. Now all penalty kicks can be done through the same kind of lift and look is what we kind of subtitled it, this lift and look system. Um, and it does, it really kind of drops you on the, on the field, as it were. So that was definitely an aha moment. And, I mean, you know, it's... We use the term immersive gameplay all the time, but I mean, that's really, in a way, it's putting you in the middle of this virtual field that you can look around you and see everything surrounds you. That's yeah. amazing. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's great because we, we recently showed it at, a, at a, the EA Summer Showcase event and literally all the reporters came up and kind of sat down. First thing they did was like, look right up at the sky, look around the stadium and all that kind of thing. So it, it's definitely kind of uh, very unique and, and and people kind of instantly kind of get 
how this is a different experience than PS3 and 360, which is kind of obviously one of our core core goals as well. So, and how does something like that come to be? Like, do you, is that something like right away you knew, oh, this is what I want to do, or was it just sort of noodling around with it and looking at the controller and sort of understanding what you could do that that some a feature like that came to be? Yeah, no. When I when I saw the kind of uh, the the second screen, I mean, that was something that kind of jumped out. Oh, we could actually do that uh, with this. This is something because again, like I say, we know there's a, a bunch of people, particularly casuals out there, who don't get the uh, the, the system as it, as it is. Right. So it's something that kind of instantly leapt off the pages. It kind of checked a number of boxes. There, a it gives uh, a new way to take something which a lot of people find confusing and, and not that rewarding right now. Uh, particularly casuals, which lends itself well to the demographic of the Wii U. Um, and then also, it really, like I say, it's, it's a showcase for for the hardware, which is always always a great thing. So to kind of check those two boxes was kind of a, a, a big a big win right off the bat. You know, it's a differentiator too. I mean, we're we're in a a very difficult time right now financially for the video game industry. You know, in in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, right and. Yep. Some people are saying, and we've touched on a little bit, you know, how, uh, you know, mobile gaming and stuff is really kind of cutting into traditional gaming as we know. But as you talk about this kind of stuff, and I'm realizing, you know, there is still a place for the next generation if the next generation is something more than just, okay, well, it looks a little better and it sounds a little better. If you can offer something that is truly different that only this particular hardware or this particular generation can do, then it really does continue to differentiate console next generation gaming from some of the other gaming spaces out there. Yeah, and, and I think that's one of the things that we use got going for it. Uh, it in in that the controller really kind of does offer new opportunities. I mean, Nintendo kind of dubbed it asymmetrical gaming in the sense that. The person who has the gamepad can have a very different experience to the people who have regular controllers. Uh, and that's one of the other kind of key things we wanted to do uh, with that. So we've got this kind of the manager mode where the guy on the, the gamepad can kind of sit back and be more passive uh, rather than kind of the twitch. You can still use it as a twitch if you want to, but uh, kind of harking to the more casual demographic, what we want to do. We, we know there's a lot of people out there that love football right. and love FIFA because FIFA, you know, we, I mentioned this a few times. Back in the day, you really had to be a gamer to appreciate gaming. You know, gaming right. when it was kind of a couple of sprites bouncing around on the screen. You really needed to have that gaming gene to kind of appreciate what was going on. Right. You know, my dad, my dad used to look at me gaming and think, you know, what are you doing? He just <laughs> really couldn't connect with what with like the eight colors, three bytes, three you know sprite <laughs> characters I, I was playing around with. Now, though, obviously FIFA now, as a FIFA 13 now, you know, it looks like football. It it sounds like football. Messi looks like Messi. Any kind of casual football fan can relate to it instantly. And and as a result, might want to kind of dip their toe in that water and and kind of get involved. But if they're not a Twitch gamer, you know, you hand an Xbox controller to a non-Twitch gamer and it's, you know, they look like it's, you know, it's landed from Mars. You know, you need like all this dexterity. There's all these buttons. They're just kind of completely turned off and, and feel that they just can't compete. So one of the great things that the Wii U does with the advent of the, the touchscreen is it kind of really opens the door to people who might be not Twitch gamers. Uh, so we kind of dubbed one of the modes the kind of manager mode, and we've got co-op mode as well, where someone on the DR, the, the gamepad can play with someone on the controller. And we kind of dubbed that dad and son mode with the idea okay. that 
now the son, um, it could be dad and mum, grandma, whoever, but the idea that the kind of non-gamer can now participate in gaming by virtue of they can just look at the touch screen, you know, they can look at stats and they, they have this kind of passive control that's not direct, no pressure, no, you know, instant, you know, I'm, I'm controlling this guy or what, what do I do? Um, and one of the great things about touchscreen, obviously, is just uh, common commonplace in life now. You know, you, you hop yes. on a plane, you have the entertainment system, you know, that needs to cater to from three-year-olds to 80-year-olds. It's something that people just get now. So no no one's scared by touchscreen. So that really gave us the opportunity to kind of open the world of FIFA uh, up to more casual gamers, which perfectly kind of lent itself uh, to the Wii U demographic. So... So yeah, I mean this this and we could talk about new features in, in a while, but this is certainly the most accessible FIFA ever. Um, and if anyone's kind of a casual football fan and loves, you know, thought FIFA looked great but didn't really want to feel they could compete, this is definitely the product for them in the sense that they can kind of utilize the touchscreen and, and almost wean themselves onto the actual full game. Well, that's amazing because I mean, as you know, one of the biggest challenges to sports games is accessibility, right? I mean, you know, you, you talked about it. I mean, it's the same with. Madden and the same with NCAA football and hockey yeah. to less of a degree because there's just less going on, but still, you know, and even then you look at like some of the basketball games, the, the, the level of control. I mean, it is, if you haven't played a sports game in a few years, it can be extremely difficult to get into it and yeah. even worse, extremely frustrating. Uh, yeah. So and I think that's one of the things a lot of game companies kind of do. They obviously, you know, gamers making these games. So, they kind of build on top of what they did the year before and the year before. And I, and I think a lot of uh, game companies kind of lose track of the fact that you're, you're building a game anticipating they know the previous years rather than uh, someone might be coming to this new. Um, I mean, FIFA 13 on 316 PS3 this year have done a great job of um, kind of trying to get those newer gamers into the game by virtue of the skill game thing they've got. But I think historically what you, what you see is, you know, we, build, we layer on top and we layer on top with the anticipation that people are coming to this game with the prior knowledge of how things work. Um, so what we're able to do with the Wii U, with the, the kind of touchscreen, you know, if you've never played FIFA before, you can have a fun experience right off the bat. Um, and at various levels of control, you can be as passive or involved as you want. So. Well, I love that, too, because you mentioned, you know, the father-son mode. I mean, I have a five-year-old son. So this is literally built for us, right? Because we can, yes, exactly. you know, he, he doesn't, although he is an expert at Portal 2, which is a whole other story I'll tell one other day. But <laughs> he, uh, you know, he, he struggles when he tries to do even anything in a sports game because of exactly what we talked about. So I love that. Just, you know, for me personally, I appreciate the fact that you put that in there. So thank you. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, you do mention the pro, the the. Pro controller, right? So you the game can be played just with you know the the standard ish kind of controller as well as using the uh, the Wii U gamepad. Is that accurate? That's correct. So yeah, the standard one. They're coming out with a new one, um, which I probably shouldn't reveal too much about. But it's kind of like a, a what what you might expect from a, a kind of a, you know kind of 360 PS3 kind of feel to it. Okay. In the sense yeah. it's, you know, shoulder buttons, that kind of stuff. So. Literally, that right kind of makes makes you be able to play the Wii U as you would on the on those consoles, and then it's backwards compatible with the the nunchuck and the and the the regular controller. So there's all all manner of means of, of which you can control. I'd recommend obviously the gamepad is the kind yeah. of the, the, the game changer in that sense. But obviously the 
the, the traditional control as well works, works well with it. And you talked about it, um, you know, how you're able to leverage a bit of, you know, like the PS3 360 code. So I, I'm going to assume that FIFA 13 for the Wii U wasn't built from the ground up because you probably would have needed several years to do that. So I guess how much tech were you able to leverage from existing code versus, you know, how much did you really sort of have to build from scratch, for lack of a better term? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we obviously had to build the game up, and, and just like building anything, you need kind of a solid foundation on which to build. So, you know, you can't you can't build a house while you're pouring the foundations kind of thing. So we have to t- kind of take a point in time where the P- PS3 and 360 code base um, as, as the kind of foundation uh, and take that. So what ultimately that means um, is that we don't have some of the brand-new gameplay features that you'll get on 360 PS3 this year because... As I t- uh, and we're talking, they're right. continually working on them. So obviously, yep. we can't because there's a lag time. Of once that feature is complete, then there's X amount of time for us to bring it over. So to hit the ship date, it's just technically impossible to do that. So we kind of take a point in time where it's it's not FIFA 12. There's a bunch of enhancements made on that, but it's not FIFA 13. It's kind of somewhere in between. And I'm talking the core gameplay engine here. Uh, everything else is is, is much much uh, kind of newer than that. But the the actual core gameplay engine. So we take that. We then bring it over and optimize it because obviously it's. I always joke with the SEs. Is it not just like cut and paste? You know, <laughs> drag and drop. Right. It's, it's, which always, it always never goes down well. But it's uh, look, you know, look. You right click, you <laughs> click copy, then your other right click, paste, done. Paste, done. Exactly. <laughs> uh, they continue to tell me it's not quite that simple, so I have to start <laughs> believing them. So yeah, they have to think, kind of take that code base and optimize it for what is a completely new set of hardware. You know, it's obviously very different. Um, you know, it's kind of like iPad versus Android. Those things don't just kind of copy over. There's, it, you yeah. have to change things. But at its core level, there's a lot of code that's obviously you workable and, and you can bring it over. It's then just kind of optimizing it to work on that. So so that's how, how we kind of start. And that's kind of that 80% of the, the, the effort to lay that foundation. And then we can start doing all the, the cool new stuff. So whereas we don't have some of the, the, the brand new uh, features from 360 and PS3. Obviously, they don't have all the cool stuff around the gamepad. So, that's exactly right. And that's one of the things that yeah. when I get into debates with people about this, is the the sports game um, fans of the world have a tendency these days, and maybe it's just a vocal minority, to complain about what's not in the game versus to be excited about what is in the game. So let's go yeah. in that direction. Let's talk about some of the things, and we talked a little bit about, obviously, you know, about a few of them. But let's just kind of make sure we hit all, all the important parts. So what is in FIFA 13 on the Wii U that is, you'll only get on the Wii U? And I have a list of some things here. So I'll just start with this list. But please, you know, insert ones that I, that I might not have missed. So talked a little bit about a first-person free kicks. What's that? Yep. Well, let's mention free kicks, set pieces, uh, so penalty kicks as well. So that's the new system, the optional new system, where if you're sat in front of your TV, you can lift up the gamepad, look through the gamepad, and aim gives you much more um, precision, much more control, again, much more satisfaction should you actually make the make the shot. But it, it really kind of uh, shows you exactly where you're shooting and where you're aiming. There's no kind of ambiguity or if, or and, which a lot of people feel with the ex- existing system. So that... Um, much more precision and, like I say, ultimately reward in all set pieces, which are obviously a huge part of, of football. Like I say, you know, the buzz of anticipation, if there's, a, if, there's a, if there's ever a free kick in a scoring position, is just, you know, palpable when you're actually in the stadium. I think that's something currently that 
only the hardcore really kind of get and casuals don't really get that in our game because they just don't feel that they're going to score. You know, they sky it over the bar or whatever. So this kind of really kind of enhances that whole uh, excitement level at, at a set piece. You know, I just had this thought. I mean, I don't know if you have like mini games in there, but I would imagine it's probably a lot of fun just to do the first person free kicks on their own. Any way that I can just like yeah, well, you can do, you, you, yeah, well, you can do that in the arena so your heart's content. Basically, if you're running around with Lionel Messi in the arena, you just press down on the D-pad and it will trigger a, a set piece from wherever you are there currently. So if you run into the penalty area and press down, you can practice set pieces. You can practice penalties or outside of the box. You can just do it and, and do a free kick. And then there's also training mode where you can actually, because if you do it that way, you'll just get Messi in the goalie. But there's also training mode where you can go in and set up, you know, full 11 v 11 set pieces and so on and so forth. So yes, you can practice that to your, to your heart's content. I would recommend you do that before you kind of go in just to kind of get a feel for it because it is a very different system. Beautiful. And it's not super easy. I mean, that's one of the core things. We didn't want to make this kind of um, always goal. You know, you get a free kick, you always score because by, by virtue of this new system. So it's not me by any means where you point is exactly where it's going to go and you're always going to score. It's still at the mercy of, of all the kind of uh, error system that's in regular FIFA and the power controls, the, the, the height and that kind of thing. So it's, it's, it's not broken the gameplay by, by making it overly sim- simplified. Interesting. Now we've talked a bit about shooting. I want to make sure I understand it. So I'm just, I'm going down the right wing playing, you know, I'm, I'm at midfield and I get the ball and I, kick a through ball to my, you know, striker or, uh, you know, center, center fielder who's making a run. At what point do I transition from seeing the game in the regular uh, view to where all of a sudden I can do the shooting with the back touch, you know, or sorry, not the back touch, but the shooting with the, with the D pad. I've heard that you have to shake the controller. So maybe you could explain to me a little bit more about how, how the mechanics will work as to when and how you can execute the uh, shooting with the touchpad. Yeah. So when you're in uh, basically the half you're attacking pretty much, you can, you can, you can trigger that. Obviously you'd be kind of crazy to shoot from that distance, but what, what you do is basically you kind of running, um, running down. And then when you feel you're in a scoring position, um, again, the existing shooting system is obviously there. That this is all, all optional. Right. You can, you can trigger it one of two ways. So a little, little flick of your wrist kind of a little shake of the controller and then or alternatively pressing the l3 down so there's two kind of ways to trigger it if you don't fancy shaking it a little bit i mean okay. it literally is a time it's not like you have to swing it around the room or anything it's just a little little tiny tiny shake and it will trigger because of okay. the, the gyros that are in the gamepad right. and what that then does is just on the gamepad screen it will overlay on top of the the the, the view um the image of a net um, so kind of like the small image you got at the bottom of the Vita, which you'll also get in on the main TV screen as well. You, oh, I was going to say, so, so you see it on both the pad and the TV. Yeah. So yeah. So you, you so what you just uh, you get is the 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 net is becomes the the gamepad um, screen, and then you just tap anywhere on that, and then it will shoot, um, and you'll see that that shot take place on TV. And, and and as with Vita, you'll see two icons: one where you pressed and one where it went based on various uh, factors, you know, how good the player is, situation and all that kind of thing. Because one of the, and, and uh, what we find is people, when people first use it, they're staring down at the, the game pad uh, when they trigger it, looking at the net. Yes. Um, after a few times, it becomes second nature, right? Because we did, what, one of the key things we don't wanted to avoid was this necessity to kind of look up and down between right. the two screens continually and at key moments. Because, this, you know that that little bit of adjustment when you look up and down in the can is kind of not a not a brilliant thing to to have to continually do. You know now and then it's fine, but 
so so it it over time becomes instinctual you're never even actually looking at the net because it is the the, the size of the screen you kind of have an idea of where that is right so after a few attempts after a few times you you're really not looking at the game plan. you just shake and then you you just instinctively tap in uh where you want to shoot so yeah it works pretty well actually Interesting. I'm so excited for this. All right, drag and drop runs. That's another item that I, you know, in reading the, some yep. of the preview materials, explain what that is to us. So maybe I'll just explain the, the, the gamepad, um, how it works. It's got a lot of this kind of aligns to the whole functionality. So basically you've got six tabs on the gamepad. So when you first uh, load up the game, what you'll see is a complete duplication of what you see on the TV on the gamepad, and that's what we call the gamepad the, the gameplay tab. Um, so what that is, is you can, you can see the players, you can do touchscreen passing, tapping on the gamepad will pass to wherever you tap. Uh, you can do touchscreen shooting through that. But then we also have a number of other tabs. Uh, we have a manager hub tab, which is an interactive radar with all the match stats. We have substitutions tab, where you can make substitutions on the fly. We have formations tab, where you can change formations. Uh, we have tactics tab, um, and we also have the man marking tab. So lots of information crammed onto the, the, the gamepad. So the one you're referring to is uh, the, the player runs, drag runs. So you can do that in two instances. On the gameplay tab, so when you've got the kind of duplication of the TV on the, the gamepad, you can tap on any player and then just drag your finger across the screen and he'll run. Uh, and this isn't the player you're controlling, this is any player. Likewise, you can also do that on the interactive radar. So the radar's got player names on. It's, it's very much the stats central hub of the game. So you can tap on a, a radar dot on the gamepad and, and drag in anyway. And you can do it with every single player if you like. You've got passive control of your entire team like never before. Now, obviously, whilst you're controlling it to do these runs, is you know, never underestimate gamers. There will be gamers out there that can do it with their eyes closed. But primarily from a design standpoint, this feature is designed more around the manager mode or co-op mode when someone is more passive um, using the gamepad he can then tap on players send them down the run speak to his co-op player you know if you're playing with your son you can be sat there looking at the radar you know you see Messi's there's the space ahead of him you can tap on Messi and drag him into the penalty area your, your son if he's staring at the tv will see a little run icon appear over his mm. head okay no doubt you will say I'm sending Messi on a run I'm sending Messi on a run so you you could be like the, the general if you like. Well, he's the he's the kind of uh, the, the, the troop. So what it allows you is you can kind of manipulate the players like never before. Like I say, you've got now got passive control over every single player on the pitch. You can even send the, and this is what everyone does when they first use it again. They just send the goalkeeper on a kamikaze run down the middle. <laughs> just to kind of, inevitably, you know, if you're playing Chelsea, you'll see Peter Cech just streaming down the field <laughs> because people just like to kind of get a sense of the control that you've had and you've never had that before. Right. Um, you, it, it really kind of puts um, much more control again and, and lends itself well to the manager and the co-op mode particularly. We've had a lot of fun testing this. You know, it can be one player managing up to three, four others playing with him. So it becomes a much more social experience. You know, you shout, mm. look for Messi, look for Messi, and all this kind of thing. So it really adds a new dimension to the game and, and like I say, more control than ever before. I love, I, I was reading uh, Sterling McGarvey from Games Radar did, a, uh, did the preview for the game, and he's talking about player management in particular, as he, and there's like an element of actually like talking to the players, uh, you know, between halves and things like that. Is that, uh, talk, you know, just explain a little bit about that, how that works, and then how you make that happen using the uh, controller. Yeah. 
so that that's part of manager mode, and that's actually a reasonably later on uh, inclusion after we kind of got manager mode up and running. Um, one of the things we didn't have is, is at half time there was anything, and it just felt like this black hole in the whole experience <laughs> because. Uh, from a real world standpoint, obviously the manager shouts instructions from the sidelines and so on. But his real impact on the game comes at half time when he gets those guys in the room. He can analyse the match, tell them what to do in the second half. That's kind of really where the manager earns his earns his keep. Um, and we had this kind of nothing happening at half time, so it felt obvious there was something. Manager mode felt a little um, lost without this this kind of ability to talk. So we we uh, included a manager. Uh, to manage a team talk mode so at half time so at the end of the half you'll get a breakdown of all the players you'll get a breakdown of their match rating so between 1 and 10 and the kind of the man in the match rating where they're currently at you'll get to see their stats um, and you'll be able to give a team talk so the, the way that happens you can talk to the entire team or you can pick out individuals and you can talk uh, one of three ways so you can motivate criticize uh, or praise and then you can also kind of dig a little deeper and you can motivate, criticize or praise their entire performance or their attacking performance or their defensive performance. Wow. And, the, and the way they react is very much driven by their first half performance. We obviously didn't want a, a system whereby people could, you know, learn. If players over six, praise. Players under six, you know, there's a lot more to it than that. Mm -hmm. We didn't want this kind of, oh, you just have to do the same thing every time and, you know, A plus B will equal C. So you have to really kind of analyze the stats and, and kind of look at how they played in the first half to know what you should be doing. I mean, the obvious thing is if, you, you know, if you're playing a rubbish team and who you're playing will have a big effect on this. So if you're like uh, Manchester City playing a fourth division team in the FA Cup and you're, you're losing 3-0, you can obviously probably criticize both your attack and defense and, and know that's what you're meant to do because, mm. you know... They should be hammering those teams. Right. So in certain instances, it's kind of obvious. But then when it's uh, when it's uh, you know a tight game, their opponents are much better. You really kind of have to look at the stats to to make the correct choices. And and the players can react any number of ways. So they can you know you know, pick their game up. You you'll see the, the the kind of icon, the morale icon, will change based on your talk. So if they're angry and it turns to happy, you know you did it well. If you do vice versa. You know if you criticise Fernando Torres after he just scored a hat trick in the first half. Chances are he's not going to be happy. So right. it's kind of very uh, kind of unique system that kind of really lends itself well to manager mode and kind of filled that gap that we we found when we kind of uh, started developing the mode. So before we hit the features, you know, the modes in the game, which I want to make sure we yep. touch on. What else? Uh, you know, anything else of of we use specific feature functionality that uh, we can look forward to later on this year with. Um, with yeah, FIFA well, well, I think um, yeah, I think one of the one of the things we wanted to make sure we did was uh, kind of catered to gamers of all aspects. So I mentioned the manager mode is kind of more of casual in that you're not directly controlling, but at the same time we also wanted to gear it to hardcore. So there's never there'll be inevitably hardcore uh, gamers playing this mode. So one of the things we wanted to do was really kind of surface a lot of what's already in FIFA, but do it in such a way that um, utilize the 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 gamepad. So one of the things you find in FIFA is that there's all this kind of tactical control, formation control, subs and all that kind of stuff. Right. But what you find is people don't really do much. They basically go in with what they have. Yes. Unless things are going drastically wrong, they'll, they'll probably see out to the, rest <laughs> of the end of the game with that. Or if, you're, in reality, me, if, if you're me, you don't know what tactics to use. And even if <laughs> right. things are going drastically wrong, I'm like, well, I don't know what's going to happen if I change them. So I might as well keep them the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, now this is the game for you because it explains everything about oh, what each tactic God. does. Oh, so, that's 
So, uh, so what you know, I mean, in in the real world, you know, uh, a sports game is football is very fluid in the sense that you know the manager shouting instructions. You'll often see players switch wings, or you know, uh, I'm a Man City fan, so you often see for for City if they, if we're chasing the game or we feel we should be winning, Yaya Toure will make a much more uh, forward role, and someone Gareth Bale will drop in drop in to kind of cover that role. So it's a very ever evolving system in the real world, and I don't think you actually got that in FIFA because you know you had to pause the game, you had to click 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 down four or five menu items, go into a sub menu. Particularly annoying if you're playing your mate or you're playing online because. You know, if all if you each of you make three subs, that's six stoppages in get in the game, and it really kind of takes you out of the moment. It's quite frustrating. So what we now have is all that is now surfaced on these various tabs. So you can do all of that without pausing the game. So you Love know, it. there's natural breaks in play where it's it's super quick to make a sub. Yeah. You know, to click subs subs tab, tap on a player, tap on the the guy you want to sub in with. You get a stat, statistical analysis of how those two guys compare. So if you're getting torn to pieces by oh. a, a fast attacker at the back. You can quickly identify who's your fastest defender on the bench and sub him in, and it's literally three three, three presses of a button, and and you can do it at any you know it goes out for a throw, dum dum dum, you can do it, and um, pretty quickly. So there's so there's that formations again, formations often changed throughout a game. I don't think people in FIFA really did that. Now you can formations tab, tap the formation you want, done. It, it, it happens in game. It's literally that quick. Likewise, tactics. Now, there's millions of variations in tactics. I don't really know people are aware of just how many tactics and how, how many options and how, many, how much you can tinker with them there is in FIFA. So we've really surfaced that. So now you've got a tactics um, tab and you get like a little chalkboard diagram of what each one does, a description of exactly what each one does. So you can really change your tactics on the fly again, all real time, all without stopping the, stopping the game. Man marking, if you know, you're playing against Arsenal and Van Persie's tearing you to pieces, you can simply quickly man mark him on the man marking tab, all super quick uh, without pausing the game. So I think from a hardcore perspective, that's really going to appeal to them in that a game on the Wii U is a much more immersive and flowing game just purely because there's very few stoppages in the sense that you can do all your tactics and everything while the game is running. So I just before I came on this call, I was playing the uh, FA Cup with Man City and you know, I, I was continually kind of changing things up and down um, as the game went on and based on scoreline and so on and, and so forth. And it just feels much more immersive because you do have that level of control uh, that is in FIFA, but is, is kind of buried and I don't think people utilise it because, it, like I say, it does break up the flow. Well, but from a hardcore perspective, there's a lot to appeal to as well. You know, this is the thing that I think, again, we're talking about the differentiation of the next generation. Between the Wii U controller and the smart glass for the Xbox, as sports gamers, we have been trained that, okay, if you want to do anything other than play the game, you got to hit pause, you got to search through menus and do all this stuff. And all of a sudden, we're taking that off of the main screen and putting that in front of the player. That is a huge change in the way these games are going to be played. And I think we are going to very quickly look back on how you had to pause and, and look through your playbook on the screen and look at that, you know, in a, as a very quickly, we're going to look back and be like, oh my God, I can't believe I had to play the game that way. That's crazy. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, it is. A, it is. I mean, I, you know, I play, I play 360 PS3 version a, a lot at work as, as well as the Wii U version. And it is, it's kind of one of those things is like, 
especially if I'm playing someone and you know I go a goal down, or maybe I want to change my formation. You just don't feel motivated to do it because you know you've got to pause, you've got to right. go in. It's just kind of a, a, a slow and clunky thing. Whereas on the Wii U, it's just dum dum, and it changes. And I think you get to see a lot more of the uh, subtleties and uh, uh, and detail of the the engine as a result because you know you change from four four two to four three three, and you see it actually happen on screen. So so you, there's much more of a, a ability to play around with your formation and, and tactics and so on and so forth to kind of create your perfect perfect team. And I, like I said, I, that's a huge part of football, but I think it was a lot of users weren't either A, weren't aware or will be willing to unuse it, not use it on the 360 and PS3. So I think it opens up a whole, like, you know, sub game almost um, just by virtue of making it so accessible. I love it. Um, a couple things before I let you go. One of the things I want to make sure we hit on is what, you know, each of the different key modes. So obviously, I say obviously, but I'm, you know, there's the, uh, you know, traditional franchise mode, for lack of a better word. There is the be a pro. There's online. But, you know, just kind of walk us through. I don't want to make any assumptions as to the different major modes that uh, uh, FIFA 13 for the Wii U is going to have. Right, so we've got all the main modes that you know and love from uh, the regular game. So like all the tournaments, the you know uh, I forget how many. So we've got so many of the like authentic tournaments. You know, from the FA Cup to the MLS League to the EPL League, all of that is there. Uh, we've got the in-depth career mode, um, and we've got all these. What is, we've got all these in co-op mode as well. We've got our own section called co-op. So this is kind of like the dad and son mode. So now you can go in with your son and go on a a full career mode if you like or just try and win the the mls with with, with your son um so it's kind of doubled up on the modes in that sense and the, all the modes that you know are in fifa are now available in co-op um love it there's also a different spin on um a bunch of modes so in korea as you play korea now um you get two options when you go in there's play match and sim match um we've added manage match so now and i think again this will probably appeal to a lot of the hardcore users if you, you know i'm going through a career mode with man city and I'm eight points clear at the top, and I come up to play like QPR or someone, or maybe QPR is not the best example at the end of last season, but <laughs> a, lower, a lower team who I think is an easy game. As a gamer, I might feel, okay, I don't really want to play this, but I don't want to kind of hit sim because once you press that button, it's right out of your control, as it were. Yes, I mean, there's a complex yes. engine that runs through, but it can feel a little bit like a lottery. Uh, and there's no possibility to kind of intervene, and if you're 3-0 down at half-time, there's not much you can do. So what Manage Match does now is you can pick Manage Match, and you can kind of put the controller down, the game plays out. You can use the Wii gamepad and our tab system to kind of change things up. You know, you can sit back, have a beer, or, or, or whatever it is you do while that game plays out. Uh, and one of the cool things is if you are 3-0 down 10 minutes in, you can just go to select sides and intervene. So you Love can kind it. of jump in should yeah. things be going be going haywire so that's uh, adds a new dimension to career mode in the sense that there's now a third option you can manage the match um so we've got all of that so all the offline game modes we have um online is obviously um uh, a key area where nintendo really want to kind of have the wii u go over and above the wii because Wii was quite weak on on uh, online as i think everyone will admit to so wii u really wants to kind of get into the online space more robustly um so the most popular mode in all of FIFA right now is the online seasons mode. So that's most popular online and offline mode. So that was our key target to get in on the Wii U, the most popular mode in FIFA. And that is in, in, in so that's like ranked gameplay online, but whereas previously gameplay online, you were just kind of a, a number lost in this 
10,000 long uh, leaderboard. Now, mm-hmm. um, Seasons obviously gives you these like mini mini leagues where every game means something. You're trying to get promoted. You want to avoid relegation. Right. So every game line means something. It's, it's hugely popular as a result because you know every everyone knows that gaming's best when you play with someone you know, preferably exactly. in the same room. But second to that is online against a human. It's, it's kind of that better experience. So that's why we see the that mode being the most popular, and that is in the Wii U. We don't have uh, ultimate team. Okay. Purely. Because obviously that's a very robust mode, uh, leaves a lot of online tech. Nintendo are coming out, it's kind of the first iteration, so um, we weren't able to put that one in. Uh, I mean, that took many years to appear on 360 and PS3 as well, so so we don't have that mode, but um, we do have the main mode uh, online season. Excellent. So, uh, I have a couple listener questions before uh, I let you go. Um, one is from uh, my friend Ryan Ryan Lewis at Ryan the Lou. He's asking, will all of the EA Football Club stuff be the same as the Xbox and PS3? Will there be any difference in online matches? And you pretty much answered that uh, for the most right, part. Right, so the online football, the, the EA Sports Football Club is something we, we, are, we don't have in Wii U right now. Okay. So again, that kind of harks back to um, that's kind of a complex online system um, that took, it was brand new to FIFA not that long ago. So, that would be one kind of for the future as we kind of, you know, we've laid the foundation now. We've done the, the bulk of the hard work in getting the game onto the console. So that would be kind of one to look to the future, uh, uh, hopefully. So. And uh, Jamie11Thomas asks, will, will we be able to choose refs kits? Ref kits? Uh, no, you can't. You're okay. at the mercy of our kit clashing logic, which I know on occasion can pick the, pick the wrong one, which is uh, something we've been frustrated with for a while. Uh, they have made improvements this year. I can't, you know, put my life on the line to say that you won't, you won't potentially get, uh, get a few You don't need to do there, that. That's no, okay. This is, you know, yeah. just a podcast. It's all right. <laughs> okay. um, another one uh, from uh, at Billy Joe Bob says, please convince me that online will work and be fun. <laughs> oh, it will. It will. We've got a big online test tomorrow that we're playing. Uh, uh, 5v5, so which would be interesting because there's going to be one guy managing and, uh, and then the four guys um, playing. And so we're, we're, we're testing that tomorrow. So maybe ask me that question again tomorrow. Okay. But no, it will, it will be fun. It will be fun. Yeah, there is definitely some concern about, you know, given the history of Nintendo Online. But um, uh, like you've mentioned, they've clearly said that they want to make sure that Online is integrated uh, into the console. So all you will believe. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, you, you have. You have to in this day and age, right? Like I say, that's one of the better gaming, best at gaming experiences when you're playing a friend online, uh, and everyone's getting so much more connected now. I, you, you just can't have a console that's not now. So. And he also had a follow-up question about the second controller. Now, I believe that you can only use one of the uh, gamepad controllers. There isn't the ability to have two players use the two gamepads, is there? Or am I wrong on that? No, no, you're right on that. Okay. So the the system uh, will not support two gamepads now. However, I think there's been such feedback on this point that I think longer term they are going to support that. Okay. Um, but obviously that you need to know that at the beginning of the development cycle. So sure. from a fee perspective, um, it will only support one gamepad. Gotcha. Okay. Well, one last thing before you go, uh, and you mentioned this because I asked it on the first uh, podcast that we spoke about. I asked, who's your team? And you said it a few times here, Manchester City. So I have to say, congratulations on one of the greatest championships of all time. 
Um, <laughs> where were you and how did you celebrate when Manchester City won the uh, Premier League title in the most ridiculously awesome fashion ever? I was in the stands and I leapt over those people uh, surrounding me. I actually flew back for it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Yes, they came. And uh, even by city standards, I'd never been through a roller coaster of emotions quite like that one. It was like two minutes to go, I was sat in the stands thinking, why have I come back for this? I was, you know, <laughs> bottomless pit of despair. Uh, and then just with the two minutes, uh, absolute unbelievable ecstasy. I was, uh, as everyone was in the stadium, pretty much crying by the end of it. It was just unbelievable. And to do it in the manner we did, with United up in uh, Sunderland thinking they'd right. win. I mean, uh, they, they were starting to uh, assemble the winner's podium up there. Um, <laughs> you just couldn't write that stuff. If you, if you made a Hollywood movie with that ending, people would say, yeah, that that never happened. So it was the most... Under- I've reached sporting nirvana now. There's just no way anything can get better than that. 44 years, never won anything, ripped it out from under our arch rivals with last kick of the ball, essentially. It was just... Uh, Unbelievable! I've never known an atmosphere like it, and the the energy in there. Even the QPR fans, because they obviously stayed up. It was just like the biggest party I've ever been to. It was, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it made up for all those years and years and years of pain, which people seem to forget now. Everyone thinks a Man City fan is a glory hunter, but I was there when we were uh, playing Macclesfield away, and there was like five thousand of us and about two thousand home fans in this like third, the third division as it was then, um, and we we won one nil actually. But yeah. <laughs> All that pain I went through as a, a long-term City fan was kind of evaporated at that point. It was all, it was all worthwhile. Well, that's, that's amazing. And congratulations on Manchester City. Congratulations on getting Vita for, for, uh, FIFA for the, the Vita out there. Great game. Um, I, I'm, we don't know exactly when the Wii U is going to ship and, and what the launch date is, but I'm looking forward extremely to that. I can tell you... In all honesty, I'm about a cabillion percent more excited about this game than I was before we started talking, just you know, based upon what you're telling me. So, uh, Matt Pryor, uh, producer of FIFA 13 for the Wii U, thank you so much for your time. Uh, best of luck. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show. No problem. Always a pleasure. Well, so that's part two of the two-part Wii U Sports Preview. So big thanks to Matt Pryor for taking the time to talk to us. And be sure to tune in for part one with Yuri Bielaskurski, all about Madden NFL 13 for the Wii U. So thanks for listening to this episode of Box Score, brought to you by Games Radar. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes and give it a rating too while you're there. I'm your host, Richard Grisham. You can follow me on Twitter. My handle is Rich Grisham. Tweet me any thoughts, questions, or comments about this or future shows. And also follow Games Radar at their handle, Games Radar. So until next time, this is Richard Grisham for Box Score.